And you thought there was only one international tournament that England won't win this summer. Well, you thought wrong, because London is hosting a World Football Cup, the Paddy Power Kanifa World Football Cup, hosting teams like Matabelaland, hmm? Punjab, huh? and the United Koreans in Japan. Huh? This is a competition unlike anything you've ever seen before, and it's here in London to fix football, just not in that way. Stay tuned to this special edition of the Totally Football Show to find out more. Hello, I'm Ian McIntosh and I'm here to guide you through this footballing appetiser, a pre-tournament tournament before we all sink into the sofa for a month. And alongside me to explain all is Paul Watson from Kanifa and Lee Price from Paddy Power. So, the Kanifa World Football Cup. Paul, can you explain to us what is a kanifa and is it a kind of tree? I can explain that and no it is not. Kanifa right. um, is the Confederation of Independent Football Associations. So it's a very catchy name for what is effectively the non-FIFA FIFA. It uh, represents nation states and peoples who aren't accepted under FIFA's regulations. So what kind of nations are we talking about? In there we've got sovereign nations, so you know UN-recognised nations like Tuvalu who are coming to London. Semi-recognised states like Abkhazia and maybe Tibet would be one of the better known of those. But then we also have sort of linguistic identities and ethnicities. So for us, it's sort of a wider view on identity, slightly more flexible model than, than FIFA's. Why was it set up? It was basically set up because uh, it turns out quite a lot of teams can't fit into FIFA's framework, uh, which, which people don't necessarily realise. You know, FIFA might cover basically more teams than there are UN nations but actually when you look at it say you're Tibetan you have to play for China in, t- in FIFA's rules Catalan you play for Spain and actually it's pretty obvious to see that that poses certain problems it, it effectively leaves some people isolated from being able to represent who they feel is their identity through football Lee Price we've established this is about identity and it's all very noble but on a football level people are probably saying to themselves well why should I watch it yeah it's a good question because it's the antithesis of all the bad things that FIFA has. So we all love the FIFA World Cup. No one's disputing that. But this is, it feels more real to me. Crucially, it's in, in London where it should have been for Russia. The players aren't prima donnas and divas to use all the cliches. There's a real honesty uh, and legitimacy about this. This is, this is real blokes playing for their nation uh, in an opportunity they wouldn't usually have. This is a small-scale World Cup, but to them, it's the be-all and end-all, absolutely. And Paul, you're actually the reason why the tournament is in London, aren't you? One of, one of the reasons, yeah. I mean, the real reason is that we've got several of the Conifa teams are diaspora teams that are based in London but represent places abroad. So the host nation is Barawa, which is a sort of a semi-autonomous state in Somalia. But its FA is based in London, so it runs football here, but it also runs football back in its homeland. And actually, they use football as, as a massive tool against um, Al-Shabaab's influence there. So, you know, they're doing this incredible work. Similarly, we've got Tamil Ilama here, Punjabi UK-based. And so you've got this UK-based teams. And actually, with London being probably, you know, the most multicultural city in the world and, and all that it stands for in terms of openness, it just seemed like an obvious place to hold a competition like this because most teams will feel on home soil. And uh, unlike the FIFA alternative, this is fan-owned, isn't it? It's not for profit. Yeah, we're not for profit. If we if we get out of this thing at break even, it will be a near miracle. Um, <laughs> and we're, we're very open about that. That's, I think that's what people will see as very different about us and FIFA is we will talk very openly, we'll display all our finances. None of us are, tri- are getting briefcases full of money. We don't barely own a suit between us. We're normal people running a tournament that is run 
for normal fans by normal fans and it's it's allowing people access to football who wouldn't normally get it basically now we've got the teams we've got the venues all we need now really to make this a proper tournament is a theme tune bring the house down the captain said conifers here Mmm, catchy. Perhaps too catchy. Right, Kanifa World Cup. We need to find out who's in it and who they are, and I think the best way to do this is through the medium of quiz. Uh, Lee, you've got some questions. I do, Ian. Paul, you have the brains. I have a brain. Let's get cracking. Great, I'll start with you, Ian. You can answer first. Excellent. judged by Paul's expertise. First question. Cascadia is the first North American team to participate in the World Football Cup. Cascadia is definitely the team with the greatest name ever. The first. I'm going to say yes. True. Correct. That's a real surprise. It's almost <laughs> did a disappointment. I, did I just actually get the whole concept of true or false wrong? <laughs> you just completely threw me there. <laughs> Paul, Ellen Bannon is better known as the Isle of Man. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I will say it would be embarrassing if I didn't know that, wouldn't it? So, Ellen Bannon <laughs> is the Manx words for Isle of Man. Yeah. Are they so better known as better Isle of Man? Known as the Isle of Man in that when I talk to people, I generally have to say Isle of Man, otherwise people look at me as if I've sort of got something <laughs> in my throat. Ian, Barrowa is better known as the African Switzerland. Barrowa. Sounds like somewhere where hobbits live, so I'm going to say False. <laughs> It is false. Yes! Kabylia is actually known as the African Switzerland. I, I didn't know, know that, actually. No? <laughs> I've never heard it called that. My notes also say, can Paul explain why? So this is properly thrown you under the bus. I mean, I know it's in the mountains, if that's any good to you. It's like uh, the north start. of Algeria. That's, it's that's the Tel Atlas Mountains. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> Paul, you should get this one right. Abkhazia are the defending champions, and that isn't a trick question. Uh, Abkhazia are the defending champions. <laughs> yeah, they beat Punjab on penalties in Abkhazia, and then the uh, president declared a national holiday on the pitch. Nice. Yeah, which I imagine would happen they in England. They spend the holiday on the pitch. Or? Yeah, that was the rule. It was it was a mixed blessing in a lot of ways. You know. Where, where is Abkhazia? It's um disputed state between Georgia and Russia. Gotcha. Right, <laughs> got that one locked down. The top three seeds for this tournament all begin with P. Mm, no, not having it. False. False, it's correct. Yes. The top three seeds are Padania, Punjab, and Northern Cyprus. Really? Northern Cyprus looking strong this year? Yeah, it's good. They've got Galatasaray, young player from Galatasaray in there. They've got... No, I say, I say Northern Cyprus are going to have the biggest support as well, which is going to help them. They've got... Um, they're playing all their games at Enfield Town, and um, they're getting massive sort of ticket sales there. And the biggest selling game of the whole thing at the moment is Northern Cyprus against Tibet. Well, now, Enfield Town. Tibet, surely, are one of the better teams in this, right? They, footballing-wise, they're not, no. <laughs> footballing-wise, they're maybe the weakest. But um, in terms of sort of the spirit they've shown of being here and the essence of, of the integrity of the competition, they're brilliant. When it comes to sort of playing football, they won't be as strong as some of the other teams, I'd say. OK, well, speaking of Tibet, let's hear from their president. My football team was initially Barcelona because Madrid was winning too many Cups, yeah. right? But then, because Barcelona was underdog, I'm always a supporter of underdog. Yeah. So they started winning, and then I kind of lost interest. But my younger brother says, Arsenal is a well-mannered, disciplined, not a rich, but you know, good team. I said, hey, I must go for underdog, right? Yeah. So I'm Arsenal fan now, by default. We send good <laughs> karma from here. Yeah, yeah. But for the Conifer World Cup, Tibetan team will take all the Tibetan karma, and they will prevail. 
In the opening round, I know the Tibet yeah. team is the first round, right? Yeah. In the future, they are listed yeah. first round. Tibetan team, you better perform well in the first round. Yeah. No, you have to go all the way to the <laughs> final, you know, yeah, yeah, <laughs> isn't exactly. it? Right? We have so much hope, yeah. you know, and uh, that you will do well and they better. Yeah, otherwise, I wouldn't be welcoming them back yeah. to, in this office. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'll, I'll meet them yeah, at the door. Right I'll, I'll meet them at the door and shake hands, say, good job, you yeah. know, yeah. <laughs> I became a Red Sox baseball fan because yeah. Yankee was dominating. Red Sox didn't win almost for a century. Can you imagine? Yeah. So I started supporting, they started winning. Yeah. New England Patriots, they started winning. They lost recently yeah. in the you know, Super Bowl, but I didn't mind because they've been winning so many. You, know? yeah. you have to show a little bit of compassion yeah. to others also. You must yeah. share you know, yeah. sometimes. Yeah. It's okay. This time, Tibetan team should go win though. Are Arsenal the real underdogs of football? Were Barcelona ever the underdogs? And can you just change a team like that? These are some of the questions we will not be answering from that interview. So, even the monks are excited about the World Football Cup. Uh, Lee, you've been out in Tibet, haven't you? I have. What's it like? Mesmerising. So, I went to the Tibetan region in Dharmashala, northern India. So, obviously, Tibet originally is in China, but the people have been exiled from the nation to India. So, I went to where the Dalai Lama is based, to his temple and the area around it. And it's a very peaceful, as you'd expect, football-loving region. Uh, they only have one football pitch in the whole area, and it's made of rubble and stone. And cows frequently pass the pitch, literally directly through the pitch. Right. Rubbles and stone. I mean, whoever the Tibetan goalkeeper is, is <laughs> probably a broken man. Um, and another team which faces uh, big challenges just to train, let alone get here, are Matabelaland. Tell me about them, because they are, they're coached by an Englishman, aren't they? Yeah, Justin Wally is the, the coach of Matabeleland. He's one of these kind of globetrotting coaches who seems to only really want to go somewhere where there's massive problems in his, in his job. And Matabeleland's in Zimbabwe. I think it's three regions of Zimbabwe, although you're testing my geographical knowledge there. But basically, the people um, represented by this team, yeah, underwent horrific sort of purging in the 80s from Mugabe's troops. And now sort of this team is, is proving a, a very rare way for them to express identity through football. The problem with it is obviously, although Mugabe may have gone, his regime is very much still intact. So the team has to train effectively in secret. It can't say what they're doing. And they're often infiltrated by secret service agents. You know, their, their minibus driver is, is pretty much known is is tapping them up for information. So it makes fundraising pretty hard. It makes playing games pretty hard makes pretty much everything hard and even getting visas is going to be very difficult for them so in terms of like you look at teams having a difficult run into a tournament theirs is, is pretty much the hardest I've ever heard of it, which actually included a 20 hour bus journey to one of their games on just a, a public bus so I think when you look at yeah how hard it can be to get to a World Cup for a, a FIFA team this, this is sort of next level well let's hear from the man himself about dealing with some of those issues when I first came here it wasn't made clear to me that we, we only had two footballs. Uh, sometimes one if the ball was a bit <laughs> in a bit of a mess. There were there were no bibs, and there were about eight cones in my first session. Uh, so I was like, I had all these grand plans for what I was going to do. Being Africa, you you pick the bits up and you start structuring things a bit better. You have things that get in your way. I mean, the security situation here for for a week or so back in November meant that we lost some training sessions, but you adapt to things, and. Um, I think it's about the group you've got um, and the coaches you've got around them. There's, there's three, of them, three of us that work with them. And the guys, it's like working with professional footballers, to be honest. So if we say you need to change that, that way of doing things, 
they will listen to you, they will respect you, they'll work hard to get things better. We've spent so long trying to get the money in place to get there that that's kind of clouded that aspect of things. My main priority is getting us there and getting us there in the, in the best shape possible. I think we've got a really good unit. You never know what's going to happen with a squad in, in the days and the weeks leading up. You, you can be really unlucky, you can lose key players some injury. We might have lads who don't get the visas. Uh, Money-wise, we might have to go with a smaller squad with, with the flights. So those unknowns make me not that clear where we're at on those, that side of things. And this being Conifer, the teams are all, they're all a mystery. We don't play each other. Um, so it would be a bit dishonest to say, we're definitely going to beat this team or we're going to, we're playing for Daniel and we should lose because they're the European champions. I don't think that's the case. I think we've got a super bunch of lads. And I think you've seen with the fitness levels we've got, playing six games in 10 days at the World Cup is testing for anybody. And I think we've got lads who can, can last that. And I'm not sure some of the other teams will be able to. So I think if we can get through the first round and then the fitness kicks in, then I, then I think we have a fantastic opportunity. But there are so many unknowns at this point that, that in all honesty, the focus is on each day. It's getting that extra money, it's getting the boys fitter, getting them more prepared. And that team relied on crowdfunding to get here, which just shows how important this tournament is to everyone involved. But, Paul, it's England. It's the summer. How are these teams going to cope with those horrific conditions? <laughs> well, compared to the rubble pitches, I think they're going to quite enjoy it. <laughs> but all right. where, where are they going to be playing? What, what are some of the venues? So it's 10 stadiums, uh, non-league stadiums. Um, so we're looking at Bromley for the opener. And then we've got Sutton United, Harringay Borough, Enfield Town are playing a lot of the games, uh, Avely FC, Slough Town, Bracknell Town. I could almost do the whole lot here. I'm on a run. <laughs> but, you know, basically, Akash Shulton are doing the semi-finals. I mean, effectively, it's dotted around London. It's it's more or less everywhere. It's south, it's west, it's east, it's north. You can't really miss it. But we focused on grassroots stadiums, you know, non-league football, and trying to get the real fans back in touch with, with the international game. So it's, it's grassroots international football, which hasn't really existed for years in, in FIFA's world. Lee, let's talk about some of the other teams. Who are the other big names we should be looking out for? I think the the two favourites are Abkhazia, the reigning world champions. You mentioned them earlier. They won on penalties in their homeland. You know, I'd say they're in the top three for me. My personal favourites are Padania, an Italian region uh, started with some sort of communism. Uh, they have some very good players. They have one lad, Stakovicius, I think. Stakovicius, yeah. Who played for Sevilla, Valencia, Lazio, 60 caps for Lithuania, scored against Spain internationally as well. So he's probably on paper the best player in this tournament. He's about 38, though, so that might be a bit of a leveller. <laughs> Paul? <laughs> yeah, their star striker, Padania, is also, I think, it's 37, Andrea Rota. So they're, they're not the youngest of teams, but Padania are going to be really difficult to beat. They generally have, in the past, have got have gone more for amateur players, so like Serie D, um, Echelenza and Promozione, rather than picking from Serie A and Serie B, whereas they could sometimes have got players like that, they would choose not to. Uh, they felt it was sort of a false thing to just chuck in a superstar. So we were quite surprised when Mario Stankovicius's name came up. They were probably most famous that they used to have uh, Mario Balotelli's brother playing for them, Enoch Balotelli. He played for the original Padania teams. Padania always be difficult, difficult team to beat, but I, I think... They, they're, 
Northern Cyprus team could could definitely go close this year, especially with, as I say, they're going to have massive support here uh, and they've got one of the strongest squads in the tournament, I think. Tell me about Cascadia, because that sounds like a magical place. Yeah, well, it's the only bioregion in the tournament. It's uh, northwest Canada and USA. More than anything, it's sort of a, it starts as a movement about the planet and sort of conservation of the planet. So while there is a sort of separatist arm to that, which has got very limited support, I think the team isn't linked to that. It doesn't genuinely want there to be a Cascadian state or nation. So what you've got is a team that's mostly UK-based North Americans and Canadians playing for sort of non-league teams. I think there's a guy from Corinthian Casuals in there. It's that that sort of level. And then you've got James Riley, who is sort of their star, who has retired now, I think, but he's come back. Ex-Seattle Sanders player and LA Galaxy at one time. It's worth adding that we went out to Cascadia to meet the team and the players, uh, met the president on the first day. I said, oh, you know, where are the players? He goes, well, actually, the players haven't met each other yet. We're going to meet a couple of days before the tournament and have our first training session then. So that may or may not be in their favour. <laughs> Maybe that's the best way to do it all. Maybe England should do that. Are there any other teams we should mention before we move on? I do think Panjab are worth a mention. They're technically a home nation. Uh, they are ranked second in Kanifa rankings, so the highest ranked team in the tournament. And last year they played the England C team, which is the national team for the conference, and narrowly were beaten. So I think they're a good standard and worth a watch. They played Jersey last week and drew 1 1. Another reason to watch the Kanifa World Football Cup is uh, the introduction of uh, uh, some new rules, a little tweak, and the return of Mark Clattenburg. Although, really, it's mainly just rules. But here's Mark to explain more. got a green card, which yeah, I think uh, is an amazing, amazing thing because when a player, for example, you, you, he gives you dissent or he simulates and cheats, you, you could easily send him off. This gives a green card, he, he leaves the pitch. We can bring on another player, so it's still 11 v 11. It gives somebody else a chance to, to come into the game, which makes the game fair and even. But if a player's got a problem with dissent, then we can take him out. And this is not just for this level of football. I think this will work in the problem areas, which is grassroots. Everybody can see there's problems um, in youth football where referees are not respected, the parents are tr- trouble, or the players are trouble. This, this card gives them a, an opportunity to try and help a referee deal with problem areas which is threatening behaviour from players. Paul, we've learned a bit about the green card there. Why is it there? Basically, it, well, it was this situation where Paddy Power said, would you be open to one? And we said, well, as long as it's something fans actually want and it's something that our members are willing to do. So I think, yeah, five or six of the original ideas w- were torn up and would have involved prison sentences and things like that. But no, after that, green cards seem like quite a good idea so yeah. we went for that in the end rather than extra time multi-tigers or something like that <laughs> that was option five yeah weirdly yeah, no, I, I had a feeling it would See, be. one tiger maybe but multi-tigers yeah, we felt was frivolous <laughs> um, we, did, we did do some research around the rule change given uh, Kanifa's initial feedback uh, and we surveyed football fans what rule would they most like to see and over 60% said an anti-diving rule so it's hard to quantify anti-diving we looked into anti-diving shin pads however they work but we ended up on a green How do card. they work? They're like zero gravity. They flash up when there's contact on them. So oh, wow. assuming you get a kick on the shin, people will know. But what if you're fouled with a push in the back? That doesn't work. Yeah, so no, fair point. That killed the shin pads. But we thought the green card was a good option uh, and is inspired by the black card in GAA, an Irish sport. Okay, tell me how that works. Uh, that is for various offences, but it's a black card. The player is immediately substituted rather than just dismissed from play. 
Gotcha. All right, now we have our band of merry men here in the studio, but we also have our roving reporter to guide us through the World Football Cup, and it comes in that friendly, reassuring tone of Caroline Barker. Why am I excited about Kanifa? Let me count the ways. Number one, the first kind of moment that you walk through the gate, you're going to be at a non-league football ground. So what's not exciting about that? Be that Gander Green Lane, the home of Sutton United, or be you at Enfield's home, the Royal Queen Elizabeth II Stadium. These are great reasons to go and watch it. High quality non-league football grounds hosting in a tight environment, great atmosphere. The second reason, you then go and buy your programme. I mean, this has got everything that you want, clearly, with football. You want a decent programme. If you've seen the front of the programme, it's like a tube map of all the different nations coming together. Third reason, you get to buy a new shirt. Unless you are already a you know, big fan favourite of Matabili Land, then you might already have their shirt. So you've got stories throughout all the teams. You've got a new shirt to buy, a new programme to buy, a new grounds to visit. What is not to love? High quality football, something that means a lot, a decent tournament. The only, only problem is that Yorkshire signed up too late, so they're not in it. Next time, Yorkshire. Next time, you, me, a brew. And that's the completion of all things I love about football in one tidy little sample of tournament football. God bless her. Now, Kanifa are adding to their list all the time, as you've just heard from Caroline there. And the latest edition are from up north. It's Yorkshire. Phil Hegarty tells us more about their inclusion. I think most people in Yorkshire have got a very, very strong sense of identity and what it means to be a, a Yorkshire person. And just having this football team means that we've got a way to express that to the, to the outside world, to the international community. I think there's a feeling that a lot of the time Yorkshire has to be funneled through this kind of London-centric lens that, you know, sometimes we just like to bypass and go straight from A to B. So it kind of gives us an opportunity like that to blow our own horn, really. This is a massive deal, this whole this whole situation here, playing um, internationally, Yorkshire as a region playing internationally. It gives us the chance to kind of express ourselves to the outside world, tell the outside world who we are, what we're about. Um, whereas sometimes we may not get that opportunity, but football is the universal language, this is our day. Long-term goal for Yorkshire is, is to do as much as possible with Kanifa. We want to help develop Kanifa as much as we want to play in it. Team-wise, we want to enter the Kanifa Euros, the Kanifa World Cup. We want to win them, we want to host them, we want to do all that kind of stuff that a normal team wants. We don't want to be part of FIFA. Quite clear and simple, that's not an aim at all. Um, I don't think it ever will be. Uh, Kanifa's given us something that we could never expect from FIFA or UEFA or the FA, whoever else. And uh, we want to repair that. We've already brought a lot to Kanifa in terms of publicity and we want to continue doing that, help develop other regions um, um, to get on board. We're doing something similar with Strathclyde, which is a new team that we're helping to get on board with this, hopefully push them into um, applying to Kanifa in the future. Uh, we'd love to see the likes of Cornwall perhaps get on board. Um, so, you know, that's, that's where we want to be. We want to see Kanifa grow. We want to be part of that growth process. And uh, we want this to be an equal, you know, show with what FIFA can offer. Right, Yorkshire. All-time Yorkshire 11. I've spent far too much time on this. Jeremy Clarkson is six foot four, so he has to go and go. I want some class and the ability to play at the back. So I'm going with Dame Penelope Wilton and Dame Judy Dench. Then I want Paul and Barry Chuckle as overlapping fullbacks. Brian Blessed is a natural midfield general. He brings steel. That will complement Bob Mortimer's creativity. We'll put Pop Poppets, Gareth Gates and Zayn Malik on the flanks. We'll have to hope Sean Bean keeps his head up front, but he'll be partnering Sir Ben Kingsley. There is not a better team, is there? No, 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 no. 
There you go. Got through all of that without mentioning Compo. <laughs> Why are Yorkshire in? They're not, as I understand, an independent state yet. No, it's, it's quite interesting. Our last two members um, were the Rohingya team and Yorkshire. So that kind of shows the diversity of Ganifa a little bit in that there, we do have qualification criteria. There are quite a few of them and they're pretty complicated and they'd bore most people, uh, myself included. But as a general guiding principle, if we feel something is your identity, you're allowed to play under that label. So Yorkshire came to us and presented a, uh, a proposal document outlining Yorkshire's history of independence. You know, it's a really good document. It went through all the facets to which they thought Yorkshire had a, an identity that was pronounced from the rest of the UK. We then put that vote to our members and they unanimously voted in favour. So any application has to go to our members. If they vote against it, someone doesn't get in. If they vote for it, they do. So I can go through the the, the finer rule points, but that wasn't very interesting for us to do, so it won't be that interesting for you either. <laughs> so ultimately what you're saying is that Caroline and I could put together a proposal for Essex. Yeah, actually you, you could. Uh, w- what we don't so much respond to is the proposals for people's sort of uh, roads or student houses or pubs. <laughs> we, those are going to come in en masse after this tournament. But yeah, if there's a legitimate sense of that being where you're from, then... I don't really see a problem with you representing it. That's the truth of it. Thank you very much. I shall get onto that this afternoon. So, what happens now? Do we all go from this podcast and forget about it? No. It's time to get out and buy tickets and support a team. Which team? That's the question. Well, if you go onto Twitter and find a chap called Chris Dolman Art, Chris Dolman Art, he is actually the kit man of Matabella Land, and he's created a kind of gif wheel of fortune thing that will help you select a team, which which I'm about to do. It's Cascadia. Oh, <laughs> what are the odds? Uh, Cascadia are first up against Ellen Vanin, which is, of course, the Isle of Man, and uh, that's at Gander Green, uh, Sutton's at Sutton Stadium. United, yeah. Brilliant. Well, there's a train that goes right there. Lee, how else can people get involved? How can they watch? If they can't make it in person, and tickets are only £9, so you're running out of excuses there, you can watch it online through the internet. Ooh. Uh, Paddy Power are live streaming four of the key fixtures on their Facebook page and through Goal.com's Facebook page. Or Kniefer have a streaming site where you can watch every single fixture. OK, when does it start? It starts May the 31st, Thursday. First match kicks off at midday. The open ceremony is in the evening. 6pm, I believe, uh, 7pm. 7pm. Paul's doing a, a pre-dance for me before the open ceremony. <laughs> Unmissable. Paul, why should people watch this in a line? It's the World Cup for the fans. It's the World Cup that should have been in England. And this is the World Cup where it actually means something to the players involved. OK, that's all from this special Totally Football show on the Paddy Power Kanifa World Football Cup. We'll be back again to check in on how the tournament's doing next week. I'm off to buy myself a brand new football shirt in the hope that Cascadia will get further through this tournament than England will in a month's time. Until next time, get yourself down to London and support this barnstormer of a football tournament. <laughs>